This episode of The Citadel Cafe is brought to you by listeners like you. Visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe to find out how you can become a patron and help make this show possible. This is the Citadel Cafe, episode number 407 for Thursday, July 8th, 2021. My name is Joel Duggan, and the Citadel Cafe is where my friends and I hang out to talk about the geeky stuff that we are into. Joining me this week, Stephen is here. You can find him at Stephen ESC on all the social media that matters, including Twitch, where he streams from the Citadel Minecraft server with me. Hello, sir. How are you? Hello, hello. Very happy to be here. Doing well, thanks. I should probably mention it is Stephen ESC and Stephen with a PH. We keep saying... <laughs> Stephen ESE, and I just realized this is the first time I've actually said Stephen with a PH ESE. I've never thought about that either, I guess, because yeah. there's a pretty, pretty common, like, there's multiple spellings. I've been lucky my life is that most of the time, if someone misspells my name, it's just a typo and they forgot the L at the end. That's mm. the only time. It's the only time you can't, it's only four letters. You can't really misspell it. You can mispronounce it sometimes. Uh, I've, I've had people ask me if my name is pronounced Joel. And it's like, mm, no, some people, maybe if I was mm. French, but no. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it, it's fine. And Joel's one of those names where the L is not a, it's not a hard consonant at the end. So it's not like it's, no. you know, pat, even though that you don't actually exhale on the T, it's not pat T. You can sort of hear the T happen, but Joel, it's, yeah. it's a lot softer. So I can see how people would miss it. Yeah. And the fine, the thing that I find very strange too, uh, especially because I have to say my name out loud so often with podcasts is that having a, a consonant at the end of your first name and a, uh, another consonant at the beginning of your last name, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 you, you kind of have that pause in between. Whereas my sister, Andrea Duggan is, it just flows yeah. a lot nicer because she has a vowel at the end of her name. Uh, and I bring her up on purpose is because, uh, it is her birthday today. Hey, and happy so birthday. I, I mean, I've already, yeah, I've already called her, uh, this morning. She was out with her best friend, uh, having brunch here in, in Dartmouth. So I didn't keep her very long. Uh, but, uh, this past weekend, uh, we were over, uh, both her and her husband have birthdays within five days of each other. Nice. And, uh, today was, uh, sorry, not today, but well, today for Andrea, but Saturday for Nick. Both of them hit the big four zero this mm. year, which is which is all funny, but also kind of like I can't jab too much because like she's my <laughs> younger sister, right? So it doesn't it doesn't matter what milestone she's hitting. I've already hit it, and yeah, you know, like if I tease her now, then when I hit fifty, it's just gonna be worse, and so it doesn't it doesn't really matter. And I mean, and honestly, our family has never really cared that much about about forty. And I I would say, and I'm gonna ask you this as well. Between Andrea and I, I think we both were weirded out more about turning 30 than we were 40. Like, I certainly was. Um, how did you feel about, like, the 30 and the 40 milestones? Um, that's a good question. I'm trying to remember. I mean, the, the 40 milestone, it didn't bother me a lot. I mean, the, the joke was, yep, now the warranty is going to finally run out. And then... <laughs> <laughs> but when I turned 30, I actually... I felt... I was always a bit of a follower, like wanting to be cool when I was younger and things like that. And then when I was 30, I felt, you know what? I'm more comfortable. You know, I'm still not 100% comfortable with who I am. I don't think anyone ever will be 100%, but it's just 
at 30, I'm like, yeah, this, this feels more right than when I was a kid. So when I was 30, I was like, yeah, this is, this is pretty rocking. So I preferred 40, Mm. uh, 30 was fine. Like everything was going. I was just continuing to truck along. I don't remember exactly where I was working. I'm pretty sure at that point I was, I think I was out of animation at that point. Cause I got into animation when I was 22. I don't think I was more than six years in the industry. So I would have been probably working full-time freelance illustration from home. Mm-hmm. So that part would have been good in terms of, I know I would have been working pretty steadily because I had built up a lot of contracts while working in animation. And so once I left, I had a lot of people to to work for. Um, But as far as like, and I don't want to tie it all to income level, but like, I feel like I was still struggling doing the starving artist thing. Like I definitely at 30, I still felt like I was living like a 22 year old student. Uh, Hmm. And uh, at 40, uh, the podcasting thing had taken off. I had certainly started streaming. So there was a lot of other things that were going very smoothly. Right. And they were not things that involved clients. And that's kind of where I, because I remember looking very positively uh, upon my 40th because I was like, things have really hit a stride, you know? And I I remember um, talking with um, my friend, Laura, uh, not my girlfriend, but a friend of mine from university. Uh, and she is um a health professional and she and i were both talking we were probably in our mid to late 30s and kind of discussing how it was starting to feel good professionally like you just you don't really have to think about it too much like you're good at what you do and you feel confident in that Mm -hmm. it's that ten thousand hour thing it's like either 10 years in your career or ten thousand hours or whatever and you tend to just have that that knowledge base, you know? Right. Um, and I think between 37 into 40, that's kind of where the knowledge base hit. I felt confident what I was doing. And then the success started to happen in terms of not just financially, but like the, um, uh, the fulfillment, like the knowing that I was the one pushing this wheel forward that I wasn't depending on other people. Yeah. And, and, and that felt, felt really good at, at 40. Um, it's funny. I don't really, I don't mind talking about my age here. I have a rule. I think you probably have the same one in my Twitch chat is that we don't talk about ages live on stream. It's more, it's less for me and more for protecting people in the audience that might be younger. Yes. Um, I'm not, and, and the, whatnot. I'm not necessarily the best at not talking about my age because like, I don't care, but then you raise a good point. I've, I've sort of stopped and I, I stay about as general as yeah a giant child in his 40s that's basically i think that's the (laughs) description i think that's the description of my twitch channel yeah yeah yeah. well man and i'm okay with me it's just that i don't want because if i start saying it then what usually happens is to contribute to the conversation everybody in chat starts popping in how old they are yeah um and so the one time i don't necessarily mind it is that like if a bunch of people our age in chat start you know talking nostalgically about the 80s or movies or something Mm. i like that's fine um, cause who knows? I mean, people that are younger could also be discovering that stuff too. Um, I just don't want people saying like, oh, I'm 14 or whatever. Cause yeah. I think the Twitch age is like 13 or something 13, yeah. to like to have an account. So again, like, I just don't want to have that out there. Um, and it's fine cause you can have a conversation without mentioning it. Um, but also I find too, that because Minecraft does tend to have a, 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 a young audience, I don't want to necessarily have somebody that's there going like, wow, this Joel guy is really cool. Wait, what? He's older than my dad. <laughs> like, I, I'm out of here. Like I this, weird, yeah. this weird fear that they're going to realize he's old. What the hell? 
Um, but and sometimes <laughs> I have to remind myself, like, do you ever have those moments um, when you're sitting there streaming, playing Minecraft? You're just like, man, I am in my 40s and I'm playing Minecraft. <laughs> like yeah. live on the internet that's There's a lot well, of other people that do it but it's weird it's more the part two of what you just said that makes me go oh man because i'm enjoying minecraft i think it's great and it is like it is now i'd say tied for my favorite game of all time with mario kart because i mean we talked about it in a previous stream but yeah every time a new version of mario kart comes out i will be at the store to buy it and just love it our entire family plays it it's great and minecraft has become the same thing where i can play it i can play with my sons my wife will join us every once in a while, and it is like, it's a, it's a low, I'm not sure the right way to say it. Not that it's a low expectation game. It's just, you just play it at your own pace. You just, you can sit down for a tiny bit and do it. You can sit down for hours and hours and do it. And it's, I find it as, just as enjoyable either way. But it's a cooler game <laughs> than Mario Kart is. And the fact that I stream that on the internet at my age when I'm not, like, I don't know the game as well as you or Pixel Riff obviously right so yeah, i'm yeah, just yeah. i'm basically just streaming me playing it i'm not streaming to instruct people how to do it it's just like oh this is a cool or <laughs> and i can almost hear my son's eyes roll downstairs <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i mean yeah. not, i'm i don't i don't know a lot compared to most of the other people that i would i would follow and watch online either that's why i follow and watch them is because i mean i'll i i one of my favorite um, people that play and share their content is, is Cubfan135. I just watched a video over breakfast and like he shares all kinds of stuff where I'm just like, I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> so yes. I have no idea. You know, stuff like that's always really fun. Um, I, uh, before we get into too, uh, too much here, can I have, I have a question for you about, about the, uh, the Mario Kart stuff. Yeah. Um, I want to give a shout out because, uh, it is the first, uh, show of July, which means that I owe the patrons a thank you. Uh, mm -hmm. if you have, uh, joined the Patreon, if you are supporting the Citadel Cafe, you are one of the people that are keeping us ad free and you're participating in this lovely nerdy discord community. And I can't thank you enough. It's, it's one of the reasons that I can continue to podcast on a regular basis is because people head over to patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe and support the, the show at a level that they, they see fit. Um, there are some bonus episodes, uh, available on the Patreon. There's also of course, uh, a link. Uh, that uh, gets you into the discord uh, and that's shared with the twitch community uh as well as my own personal patreon so there's actually about 100 to 120 people in the discord so it's not like just the citadel cafe um but it's it's been a lot of fun and i i'm really um grateful for everybody that that contributes to that um the other thing uh now that we're we've uh we've got that out of the way that i wanted to talk to you before i forget is that um did you notice that they announced a new switch that's like <laughs> that was actually going to be my uh my internet minute not that it was this kind of oh hidden away nugget or anything it's okay it's cool it's not not that it's just like this obscure nugget or anything like that but i've been wanting to get a switch for a while but i just you know hear this little rumor leak here and there that there's a new one coming out and i just couldn't really i mean i, I didn't have the money but i wasn't actively saving up for anything either because i just couldn't bring myself to buy something that was like four years old with this feeling that a new one's coming out so yeah that's my uh very much looking forward to that all right. Well, we'll talk about that more later. Then I don't. I don't want to get into it too much now. If you've got that for your for your internet minute, um, I will step sideways into the Steam <laughs> Summer Sale, uh, and and this is why because I like I video games have been kind of forefront on on my mind. Uh, we talked about the Steam Summer Sale last week. Uh, Lou and I had both made a bunch of recommendations, uh, and Lou was more on the indie side. I had noticed a more uh, a number of um, more um, prominent titles that were on sale. Uh, I did pick up a couple for myself. Um, thanks to again, the Twitch community being very generous, uh, and, uh, also 
friends being very generous. I had some money in my Steam account from a Christmas gift that I just hadn't spent because why would you when you know that Steam has these massive sales twice a year? Like if you've got a balance of a gift card on your Steam account, just leave it there until like the summer sale and, and get what you want. Uh, so I picked up Horizon Zero Dawn, which was 40% off. Uh, and this is a RPG set in the future where the world has been taken over by mechanical dinosaurs and animals. And you mm. have to like kind of navigate your way through the majestic open world. Uh, it's a very, very cool looking RPG from several years ago. It was a PlayStation exclusive until it got released on PC just earlier this year. And so uh, I've not had access to it. And so I'm looking forward to playing that uh, because like I said last week, I have to remind myself that I can actually take my my uh, Xbox controllers, which are just USB-C, and plug them into my PC, and they'll work. So nice. uh, I'm going to do that. I don't need them to be wireless because I'm sitting two feet from the thing. So um, hopefully I'll be able to stream some of that content. I have been looking for something a little bit different than Minecraft to share on the odd bonus stream during the week. So, so that'll be really fun. Uh, the other thing I picked up is more of, I don't want to say indie game because it feels very, very you know, polished and uh, like a, it doesn't feel like an indie game as far as what I can see. Uh, it's called Before We Leave and it's billed as a non-violent city builder game set in a cozy corner of the universe. Nature, uh, nurture your peeps and their surroundings while rebuilding and rediscovering civilization. Settle new lands and planets while avoiding hungry space whales. <laughs> I don't know what the hungry space whales are, <laughs> um, but I've seen this advertised a number of times. It only came out in May of this year. Uh, and I just like the the very cute kind of like hexagon. You can see very clearly the curve of the globe. Like it's not that the planet is not that big. Uh, so you're building these little um, hexa hexagonal um, plots. And um, I, I like city builders. I like these kind of chill games. And I've tried a number of them in the last little while. And the issue that I usually draw is that they often have a combat situation where you're being attacked by something or something comes in to destroy your stuff. And it's never fun for me. If I wanted to do that, I would just play StarCraft. Like I would just play right. like an RTS or something like, or um, not League of Legends, but what's the other one? Uh, I'm blanking on it right now. It's a, it's a big one. Um, but like, I just, I don't find those fun anymore so this struck me as something really cool it was 20 percent off so i saved 40 percent on horizon zero dawn and 20 percent on before we leave i think out of pocket i spent like 25 bucks oh, nice. um which is yeah i can't complain especially because it's stuff that i feel like is good stream content because before we leave is definitely something where like a chill stream where you can chat with the chat room i think would be really fun uh and it just it just looks like the kind of game that would be a lot of fun to share with with people so uh, I picked both of those up. Now, the Steam Summer Sale is supposed to be over today. People, when you're listening to this later on today, it might be done. I, I believe the Steam Summer Sales, they usually end midday, like 12 p.m. Eastern time. Because I've tried before to go in and buy stuff at the end of a Steam Sale and realize that it was over, thinking that I had the entire day. And I, I went in at like 3 o'clock and mm. it was over. So... Uh, unfortunately, people listening to this later might not have a chance, but we've been sharing things around in the in the Discord and stuff like that. So hopefully people in the community that have wanted to pick up a few things on Steam um, have done so. I had to do some research because, uh, as we mentioned last week, xCloud is now available, uh, as well as I already have access to uh, Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. So when I'm looking at these games that are on sale on Steam or anything that pops up on Epic, um, I have to double check. Like I might have access to this mm -hmm. already. Like I mentioned, you may not Forza have to buy a second and, copy. 
Exactly, right? Like, and or as, especially if I look at something like Horizon Zero Dawn, I thought like I would rather play that on my big screen TV, uh, but it's not available for Xbox at all. It's just Windows, right? Uh, and it's not part of any Xbox streaming thing, so it's only through Steam. So I, I basically made the decision to buy games that I have absolutely no access to on Xbox, uh, and I have no access through um, Xbox Game Pass, and that uh, also with um, before we leave. Uh, that's only a PC game anyway, but also I, I would want to play that with a control with a mouse and keyboard. Like I wouldn't want to play a city builder with a, right, with right, a right. controller, right? So um so yeah, I, I'm looking forward to to trying those out. Uh and uh it's gonna be a lot of fun. Cool. Well, I guess on a similar note, the uh, my sons have both recently purchased a game called Hollow Knight for the Nintendo Switch. And I guess just going along with the Steam sale, um it's fifty percent off right now on Steam. So it's nice. Oh, yeah, Hollow Knight, usually 17 bucks on for $8.49 Canadian anyway. And it's it's one of those games where they they love it. If you've ever played Celeste before for the Switch, they said the gameplay feels very similar to that. Um, apparently it's quite challenging. It's gonna take a while to beat it, and for a price like that, it's hard to hard to pass up. So yeah. These are like these like uh super hard platformers. Is yeah. that kind of what it exactly? Yeah, yeah. it looks pretty. It's got a really cool art style. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And um, one of the things my sons like about it is that you don't, you don't get everything right away. It's not like you have all the skills. You're just sort of a, a basic adventurer, for lack of a better way to describe it, for the first little bit, and then you acquire a skill, and then suddenly it makes the next portion of the game more interesting and certain aspects of it easier. And then you gain another skill, and like essentially you just. It's not like leveling up in the sense of a, a role-playing game, but you you do acquire skills over the course of the entire thing, which they they really like as well. Oh man! Well, then they will absolutely love uh, Ori and the Blind Forest. Have have they played that? I don't think they have. I will make a note of that. Oh, you need to check that. There's two of them. There's Ori and the Blind Forest and Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Uh, and I'm, I, which one am I playing? I, I can never remember which one is first, but I'm playing the first one. It's available on, on Xbox game pass and I love it. Uh, it's super cool. chill. It's, it's a similar platformer to what you're talking about. I don't think it's necessarily as hard as something like a super meat boy or a hollow Knight uh, or Celeste. Like it's, it's a little bit more laid back, but it is beautiful. Mm. Like just breathtakingly beautiful. The only thing that I find, uh, and this might be my age, I feel like Ori is really <laughs> tiny because I have a big TV. And so like, I feel like I, I don't, I want to see more of the cool little animations that Ori does, but he's very, very small. <laughs> um, but other than that, it's it's super fun. I, the, the thing that I find the most interesting are the bad guys, like the the the, the toads or the slugs or the spiky glowy mushroom things. Like the, the things in Ori that come at you are just like, what in the world is that? Uh, and everything kind of has like a glow to it because it's, it's a very dark looking game. Like there right. tends to be a lot of like deep woods and under the roots and all that kind of stuff. And so everything that you, you fight has kind of like a bioluminescent thing to it, which is fun. Um, but, nice. uh, yeah, I've, I've really been enjoying it. It's, that's a, it's a good one. I, and it looks like it's available for Nintendo switch as well. Yeah. And, uh, also apparently 50% off on a steam store. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. No, they, um, definitely worth it uh i think the original is like nine dollars regular price on steam like it's pretty oh nice pretty accessible that's the older one of course so what do you say we move into what we have been watching for sure uh i will just give everybody a heads up 
uh, about Loki spoilers right now. Uh, you and I are both cut up uh, all the way through episode five, I believe. Yes. And uh, there's no way to talk about this without um, potentially having spoilers. So if you have not caught up on Loki, then you might want to skip this part. But uh, I'd rather talk about Loki first because, uh, unfortunately, I don't have a lot of nice things to say. Anymore. Oh, no. Yeah. I, I don't know where you and the family are sitting with this. But uh, if it wasn't that next episode was the last one, I'd be done. Like, I would just not care. <laughs> uh, it has completely lost me. And... I think the biggest problem I have with it is that they're playing Calvin Ball with the story. And I really don't care for it. Um, if you're not familiar, uh, for people that don't know what Calvin Ball is, it's it's a reference to Bill Watterson's Calvin and Hobbes. And Calvin Ball is something that Calvin and Hobbes play. And it is a sport with, um, I think there's a football and football helmets involved, but basically there's sticks and goal lines and points. And they make up the rules as they go along. Mm. And this is what I feel like is happening with, with Loki, the series on Disney. I feel like they just keep on painting themselves into corners. And because they've given themselves this freedom of like the TVA and changing time and these time, I can't remember what they're called. They're like little time Nintendo switches that they have oh, on their right. hands. And, um, I just like, they can, they can go anywhere, do anything, fix anything, reverse anything, flip things upside down. There's multiple variants of every different Loki, including a female one. There's a, there's an alligator, there's old Loki, young Loki, there's all these different things. And it has reduced the uniqueness of the story that I thought we were getting into in episode one to basically chaos. And I feel like the excuse that they're using is that, well, Loki is supposed to be chaotic. It's like, mm, Loki's the God of mischief, not the God of chaos. There's a difference. And I just, they just feel like they're making it up as they go along. Like you think somebody dies and in the next episode, they're like, nope, they didn't die. We sent them to the void. What the fuck is the void? I like, <laughs> I don't <laughs> just like, so there doesn't seem to be any um, pathos. Like there's no risk. Like you're, if you, you're, are you dead? Are you already dead? Is this all just a dream? If it is, I'm going to be mad. Like it just, it's just, it just seems to be all over the place. Uh, and then the other big, the other big draw for me, uh, or not draw, but a down, downward spiral for me is the fact that I find the dialogue in the last two episodes, four and five to be painfully slow. Like there's all these things that are happening around them and they're talking and they're trying to get words out. And there's just these long pauses for no good reason. And then the next thing that someone says is the most obvious dumbed down like that's a really dangerous monster cloud. Well, yeah, we figured that out when we watched it devour a building. Like a <laughs> everybody already knows it's a dangerous monster cloud. Why are you saying that out loud? <laughs> uh, and it just feels like there's all this emotional constipation and verbal like lack of nuance that i it's just it's completely lost me. How how are you guys doing with it? <laughs> when you say all that stuff, it's a yeah, I know. I've set you up for success here. I realize. Yeah, no, it's good, but it's um, it's I've actually been enjoying it. I, I did find episode five was there's a couple things just yeah with the alligator Loki, um, and then they go back to another one of the people who work in the TVA who's suddenly in this red room locked up, and they felt like they flipped back and forth a lot more than usual in episode yeah. five. But we've been enjoying it. I mean, it's for me, it's um. 
I think it's it. The thing that I've been enjoying is we're finding out that Loki is actually more powerful than he thought he was. Yes. Through seeing all of the other uh, the other Lokis and what they have be, been capable of, especially the uh, like we we often have subtitles running just so that we don't have to have the sound crazy loud in our house to hear. But so the the older Loki they refer to as classic Loki. So I assume that's what Loki Loki was dressed like in earlier comic books because earlier comic books yeah the the name was literally classic loki yeah there's a lot of uh marvel easter eggs in episode five like they don't really get into it in the show because it would just take too much to explain it would be a bunch of monologuing that would be very interesting but for anybody that's been a long time marvel fan there are easter eggs all over the place in the series specifically episode five yeah episode five actually it, it felt like because as you said, when they when they quote unquote died or got pruned, they never actually said that they died. I guess arguably they yeah. when they get pruned, you assume that they were dead, but they were sent to this this world that felt very much like um, where Thor and the Hulk and Loki got sent in Ragnarok. Because there's these little like these little flashes that would open up in the sky and junk would fall through. So it felt very much like the place where garbage went. Same as the land mm-hmm. that the uh, the game master um, was ruling over. Um, yeah, Sakar is what you're talking Sakar, about. Sakar, yes. And so, to me, it was I was actually wondering if there's going to be if there were some sort of parallel between those two places, but I, I don't know that that's going to be a thing or not. But the only thing that I can think of that would be very similar is that Sakar was a place where they ended up because they were kicked from the Bifrost from by, or by Hela. And they arrived, they were kicked out seconds apart, but they arrived weeks apart, right? uh, And so the Bifrost is a wormhole, which is involving space-time. Right. So I would imagine that the fact that the Time Lords or the Time Lord, I'm not sure who's behind it all, um, but the the fact that they these pruning situations basically instead of disintegrating people which is what we think they do um they teleport them to the void or the end of time, end of time yeah. and as you said they they come out of these um these portals in the sky all these things that aren't supposed to happen and i like i mean it's not that different i think no. sakar instead of um having a bunch of things coming from all over time i think it's just like a it's like a current time depository for space so people that get Uh, sucked into it the wormhole the wrong way so sakar doesn't feel like necessarily a time dump but it feels like a space dump whereas the void is a time dump mm -hmm. but they're very similar you're right we've been enjoying it i mean it's um the the alligator i was thinking that's a bit odd felt a bit much but then i my brain kind of went i don't really know the comics well enough to know whether there was an alligator loki or not and my wife said that just sounds like something that a writer said hey let's just throw an alligator in there just because <laughs> and i looked it up and she's right that's what it was it was like a discussion between head writers and they thought you know what let's just throw an alligator loki in there because it's why not it's green and that's i think that's the exact quote it was um yeah from an article on marvel.com so it's not even this this hearsay thing it's on their website they threw in the alligator because it's green. And they mentioned that there's there's lines in the episode. Uh I don't remember who says it. One of the one of the other Lokis I think says, "Well, because he's green." And then I think several times um Loki, like main Loki, the one that we all know, 
um, from the other Marvel films. Whenever he introduces the alligator to other characters, it's like, it's just best not to think about it too hard. You know, yeah. like, just, he says that out loud. And I mean, in that way, sure. Like, I mean, like, I understand when I say the alligator Loki is really far-fetched and it's kind of hard to wrap my head around. Um, I realize the show I'm talking about. Like, I understand how stupid that sounds considering that we're talking about the TVA, Time Lords, Androids, and mm. like you know, like all this stuff that's going on, multiple Lokis, including one that's a girl that goes by the name Sylvie. Like there's just all this stuff. So, but I feel like there's just this weird balance that you have to maintain when you do sci-fi stuff like this. Like you have to at least have something that makes sense to the audience, even if it is weird. Like you can say, okay, there's multiple Lokis, but like the fact that it's an alligator Loki is like, I like... I know that there's a lot of Easter eggs from the comics and there's, I know there's a lot of comics out there that do some weird and wonderful and special things. And I think that they work in comics and they don't work in the Marvel universe, like uh, cinematic universe. Yeah. Like they just, they don't translate to real people, even with crazy cool special effects. They, ju it just doesn't seem to make sense. The, the only thing that I think would be, a way to excuse it would be like if a Loki was creating a, a an illusion and thought that it would be funny to have an alligator Loki with the helmet on with the horns, that would be funny because you, you would know from the mm -hmm. outset that it was Loki creating a magic trick and it was meant to be him. It, it's no different than a joke in like a, a an action movie, you know, like it's they're fine. Everybody likes them, you know, but I don't know. It just it it's for me, it's just hard to it's hard to take the show seriously and i know that it's not meant to be a super serious show but they they treat the emotional journey is supposed to be serious and then everything else around it just has no tether and so that that to me is a hard thing to kind of pair up well, I think it's probably going to be harder to do in a show like this where everything they, they sort of set up what the TVA is and then it's it's almost as though since episode maybe two or three, the show's been about the TVA falling apart. And so I don't know that it's, it may, it may make it more difficult to kind of keep things cohesive while everything around them is falling apart. But um, I don't know. I mean, I don't, you, you raise some good points, but I guess for me, I, I, I don't, those haven't really struck me as hard as they struck you. Like I don't necessarily see trying to think of a good way to word it like I, I actually like sylvia i think she's a cool character um she's uh i mean she's good she's singularly focused she's got one goal in mind which is to take down the timekeepers and then as soon as she sort of found out that the timekeepers weren't real her goal switched to like well now we need to find basically her life was ruined so she wants to make whoever paid or whoever did that to pay and like i I'm not sure. I just we, we've been thoroughly enjoying it, I guess. Mm. And uh, the, the the one I enjoyed the least was probably episode five, because like, as you said, they said, you know, we've come to realize Loki is the, the god of chaos. And it felt like a very chaotic, chaotic episode to me, a little bit all over the place. Yeah, no, it's very, very all over the place. And uh, I also knew like because I knew it wasn't the last episode, it's like, well, whatever they do, whatever they discover, we're not going to see we're not going to get an answer. Mm -hmm. Like when we're, when I was halfway through the episode and uh, judge Renslayer, um, who is like the, the lead um, mm. 
TVA person that we've been accustomed to. The, I can't. Um, she's the person that Morpheus or Mo Morbius, Morpheus, um, Morpheus is Mobius. from the, is Mobius. Thank you. Morpheus is from the Matrix. Um, Morpheus, um, Mobius uh, reports to, uh, and so um, she even she is like stalling like she's just, yeah there's a lot of dialogue that she does that go goes nowhere gets nowhere and this all-powerful tva they keep on interrogating people and all they do is say you are going to tell me what i want to know to which the other person says no i'm not <laughs> and then they play that tennis match for the next five minutes and you're just like for like no yeah unless you have something unless you have leverage you can't just sternly ask someone to give you what they want they won't do it <laughs> like it's just she's my my least favorite character and not that i think she's poorly acted but like for the reason like she just seems like she's stalling all the time and it seems like it seems like it's, it's not only stalling but it's her answers are conveniently like yeah i'm on your side all the time like yeah no same thing i had no idea the timekeepers weren't real yeah, no, me too. I want to get to the bottom of this as well. Like nothing that comes out of her mouth feels sincere. So I, like, I don't know. Like, I don't trust her. I mean, I think we're if they wanted us to not trust her, they've already they did that a while ago. So it just feels like they're doubling down, tripling down, or whatever on the with her lines. Like I said, I don't think. And they keep they keep on putting her and like um, Sylvie in the situation. Like it's it's like if I went to reach out and shake your hand, and every time that I shook your hand, I slapped you in the side of the head. And yeah. then every time I met you for a beer, I would just extend my hand and expect you to take it knowing that I'm going to slap you in the side of the head every time. And then there's this <laughs> moment in episode five where she's like, despite the fact that I just disintegrated your boyfriend, who is you from a different universe, um, you should trust me. And I'm thinking like, sure, let's trust the villain. Why not? Like it, it, like, like yeah. it just, it's, it's really weak. Like it reminds me of like the Arrowverse stuff when you have like this, evil you know f f i can't remember his name he was part of the razal gould crew and he was the bad guy for a while and just he kept on saying you have to trust me it's like you know you don't no <laughs> no one has to do anything it's just oh it's, that kind of writing drives me crazy um which is too bad because the idea that this tva thing because at first i thought that oh well here we go marvel is introducing introducing what looks like three godlike characters into the MCU that control time. Um, I guess that's how you one up Thanos. I don't really know. Mm. And, and so now with the reveal in episode four, that the time Lords, as they were personified to us, were the wizard of Oz. I mean, androids, um, then <laughs> none of that really matters. So that's the one thing and why I'm, I'm not looking forward to, but I want to finish the series is because I want to know who the hell is pulling the strings. Yeah. Like I want to know who is the puppet master that created the TVA that kidnaps variants from their stories and timelines and puts them into TVA, wipes their memories and has them be TVA agents. Um, and how and why this thing was all constructed. And like, how do you even get that kind of power? Like, I just, I don't even mm. like it, they run into this thing where, some of the comic villains you just get into the the area where like if they're all knowing all powerful control time like where do you how do you stop them like like i yeah. just i don't know where you know or and maybe they don't need to be stopped maybe they're essential to the timelines working um 
I know that there's going to be some tie-in to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness because like if there's one person that we know that has a handle on time it's oh I don't know the person that walks around with the time stone around their neck <laughs> so so I'm thinking there's going to be something there and hopefully some explanations but I I just don't know yeah I'm not I sure guess, how much I'm of it's not... going to be resolved though because I mean we talked about hmm. it before it's it's not a TV miniseries it's a TV series so mm-hmm. I I was trying to find online but I, I had heard that they've already started pre-production on season two so i'm not sure how much of a resolve we'll get on the full story by the end of next episode we might have to wait no a year and a bit and i yeah and i know that marvel likes to play the long game so i'm sure there's going to be stuff that pulls through into just like wandavision is going to go through into multiverse of madness i think we're probably going to have to touch on some things um i mean they Loki is such a popular character and Tom Hiddleston, who is a fantastic actor, mm-hmm. uh, playing him is so captivating and has such a huge fan base uh, in the MCU um, uh, world of, of fans. They would be just moronic to to cap it, <laughs> right? Like they, they, I mean, they don't, you don't want to drag it on so long that everybody gets sick of it. But like, I, I don't think that Loki got enough uh screen time for the level of fandom that is out there right. for him uh and so i'm glad that the series exists for people that are liking it i'm just i feel like you ever have that thing where like you know that lots of marvel nerds are just squeeing over the loki series and i just like i wish i liked it i really do but i just don't <laughs> like yeah. i'm just i'm i'm watching it more for homework than i am for the pure enjoyment of it which is too bad because the first two episodes i really enjoyed like i really thought okay this has got like a beetlejuice vibe to it like mm. that the 80s movie you know uh, like i just yeah. I, re- I like i re- i was really down with it for a while there but then uh and i think that again unfortunately i just they hang so much emotionally on sylvie and i just don't like her and i don't want to mm. throw shade at the actor because I, I don't necessarily think it's her performance i think it's the writing that they have for the character um, I know that she's one, like she has that one purpose that she's very driven, but that alone isn't enough to convince me that Loki is going to fall for her, which is weird and narcissistic in the way that they're positioning it in the show, but they just don't seem to have enough there. She doesn't seem to be well-rounded enough hmm. um, because Loki is, right? Like, I don't think of... of mainline loki as as a one-dimensional character so um but then again like i've also had a lot more experience with loki with the other thor movies and like there's been there's been more time with him and his relationship with thor and the avengers has actually proven to be like a more of a well-rounded thing with him so um, to the point where like i was sad when he died in endgame yeah like when um when thanos killed him like i was like oh crap that sucks because i really like loki um despite the fact that he's I don't want to say a villain. He's like an, an ambiguous gray character. He kind of like he's on a, he's on the side of wherever gets him the most of what he wants. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't know. Well, I'll, I'll see how it ends. They could wrap it up nicely. They could they could point it in an interesting direction. <laughs> um, episode five just felt felt like a big stall to me, which is strange considering you only have six episodes. You'd think that they would be just jam packed. Yeah um four was good i liked the the reveals in four but i just i did feel like a lot of it was just these long walks down hallways because they were told to like i, I don't know it, it felt a little bit strange yeah um what else has been um crossing the screen in your world um i've actually been watching a norwegian show called 
Ragnarok. Not that we want to be <laughs> all Thor all the time here, but it was uh, one of those shows that had been in the sort of recommended list for, I forget what it's called, but, you know, the, the ones that they were promoting along the top for a while. So I thought, oh, I'd give it a go. I really didn't know anything about it. So I, when I put it on, I didn't know that it was a Norwegian show. Just wanted to see what it was about. But it's it's basically an interesting take on an origin story of sorts for Thor. Or like it's more of a Thor reincarnation story. You know, just uh, I guess with a, a fair number, a fair amount of environmental messaging peppered through it. So people don't always like the hitting you over the head with environmental messages you may not want it. But it, like those tie specifically to a town that is dealing with pollution in their water that's caused by, you know... Um, big industry in there so it's uh the main character uh his name is i'm I'm probably going to mess the pronunciation of these names up because they are they are legit all norwegian names so it's his name is magna um he's a teenager who essentially returns to a town called edda in in norway but it's it's a made-up town just for the story so he returns with his um to edda with his mother tuited and younger brother lauritz and so essentially their father died well, when the boys were just kids under um, mysterious circumstances. They don't really haven't really gotten into it yet. But it's, as they drive into town, their car gets stuck behind an old man in an, in an electric wheelchair. And he's got a, an eye patch on. So, you know, your immediate thought is, hmm, Odin type character. Mm-hmm. But then, And then Magna gets out of the car to help. And the old man's wife comes over and basically gives him a once over and says, you're a good boy, and then touches his forehead, causing a series of images or possible, possibly Thor flashbacks to rush through his head, and then everything changes. Like he's, he he goes from having these glasses that he needs to being able to see better without them, and then he finds out that he's a little bit faster than he used to be, and a bit stronger, and then way faster and way stronger. So it was, it was almost like he was immediately imbued with beginner level Thor powers, and he just needs to discover the rest on his own. So it's it's interesting in the, it's in the sense that it's not an action show. It is not an action movie or anything like that. So it's 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 a slower paced show than I would normally watch. And then, but I've seen some Korean shows as well that are and some French shows that are slow. And it's not that they're uninteresting. It's just an incredible pace change from what we're used to seeing here in North America. So it's I'm quite enjoying it. Uh, I would recommend not doing the voiceovers i would just watch it in norwegian with the english subtitles because i think that the same actors do the english voiceovers and so it's it's decent it's, it feels like it's a true voice to the character but it's just you know the same with all dubbing it almost sounds like the character somehow the it just feels like worse acting when it's yeah. voiced over so it's uh, i yeah. would recommend watching it with the, the action norwegian subtitle so um so I guess the t- the town of Edda is run by the antagonist of the story. It's a, a family of four. Um, their last name is uh, Utul, and they actually um, run in a company within the town of Edda called Utul Industries. And so they've they've been there for ages. So like they're essentially ageless giants from Norse mythology. It's just actually one of the cool things that the show does is at the beginning of every episode they have a, a definition. Either either they'll take a character. Um, that you're familiar with and then sort of give you the traditional description of what they were like or what they did kind of thing. Or like in this case, they say giants was a term that was used to describe more or less all monsters that were nemeses of 
the god, so to speak. So, or specifically, they mentioned what I read was the arch nemeses of the gods. So they weren't necessarily all massive in stature, but giants, quote unquote, giants were basically the bad guys. And so this right. this family of four have sort of settled into this town of Edda as industry owners and leaders. They basically run the main place where everybody works in the entire town. So they kind of own it, own all the decisions that go on there. And through students at Magnus High School, they sort of start to poke into the environmental problems that are caused by having the industry, like, I guess, run in this town. So, no, it's it's pretty interesting. And, and, and like, they've got, you know, your typical, your Loki characters in there as well, because Magnus' brother, Lauritz, he's, uh, you find out eventually he's only a half-brother, so same mother, but um, their mother, Tudid, actually had a relationship with... Um, oh, I forget his name. Oh, yeah, Vidal, like the the fa- the quote unquote father figure in the the family of giants. And I say quote unquote because they're all basically the same age, and they all seem to have different responsibilities in there. But he's the older looking one, and there's a couple that look like kids and things like that. So, and he ends up so he ends up being I guess to say that he's he becomes sort of the Loki character in it. So he's actually half giant, half human kind of thing. So they're it, it's interesting because they know norse mythology so they're when they when magna finds out he's the thor character he starts to research everything he can find about thor and then when when lauritz sort of realizes he's half giant he starts to research yeah sort of lean into the loki research a lot more so it's 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 kind of interesting it's like a reincarnation story because they already know about these characters that's cool i mean this has been on my watch list for a while like i have it bookmark just because i know i like norse mythology and it looked like an interesting show i just never sat down to pull the trigger but i mean it it sounds interesting it sounds like a different take for sure Um, it it sounds similar to american gods but obviously not with all the violence and craziness that's in that show um second season just came out may 27th of this year yeah so i'm uh, a few episodes into that there's there's a couple of points where (laughs) people walk into areas you know they're not supposed to walk into and there's a chance that they're going to get caught I don't know what it is about those shows, but sometimes I don't like them because I, I know there's going to be probably this this scare thing that happens. <laughs> and so I'll just, yeah. I've, there's one episode I've just sort of gone back to a few times just because I'm, I don't like the uneasy feeling. I, it's well written and it's being done well, but it's just like a, that uneasy feeling. Yeah. Spread it out over a few days. Are they long episodes? Because there's only what, like six episodes per season? They're not long. They're about, uh, I think, anywhere from 40 something minutes to 50 something minutes. Oh, that's cool. Um, so like, you know, rough, roughly an hour. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it was easy to, I, I didn't even binge it necessarily. It felt like a show that I could watch an episode and then watch two if I wanted to. And then I could let three or four days go by and watch it. And it still kind of held my interest. It, it wasn't one of those ones where I needed to devour the entire thing, but I still wanted to, I, I enjoyed it enough to really want to get my way through it. So it's, it's interesting. It's, it's a different kind of show than I'm used to watching, but I'm really quite enjoying it. It's one of the nice things about Netflix, you know, like I got introduced to a lot of like uh, British crime shows and Mm. crime miniseries on Netflix that I probably otherwise would have never come across on Canadian slash, you know, North American television networks. And uh, I've not pulled the trigger on anything really farther afield. There Mm. was a a German show that I was really looking forward to to watching. And um, I just couldn't handle, like you said, like the, the voiceovers and stuff like I just it's it's like they recorded 
the voiceovers in like a super silent soundstage. Mm. And yet yeah. I'm watching these characters outside where there's supposed to be wind and rain and stuff. And and yet, you know, like their voices sound like these perfect microphone voices. Um, <laughs> or they do something where they're just like, you know, like they've got this person that has a super deep voice. And like in the voices coming out of a 17 year old kid, just like, you're come on. Like, could you could you at least cast somebody that's a little bit younger to do this? That's um, interesting. I'll have yeah. to pay attention to the microphone thing because maybe that had something yeah. to do with it. Just it's, not enjoying. It's an it. environmental thing. It's a separation yeah. thing. So, well, and also the other thing that, and this is a very personal thing. It's something that I have a very hard time turning off. Uh, I was a stickler in animation in my career for lip sync. I really mm. wanted to get it right. And so, when a character's lips are moving in whatever language, and the sound coming out is English and not matching the lip movements, right. it really it just it just irks me. And again, I it's I know it's a perfectly acceptable thing. People do it all the time. Um, I also have a really hard time reading subtitles, and it might not be so bad now that I've got a bigger TV. Uh, but I, I'm a slow reader anyway. But also on things like um, I remember when I saw Pan's Labyrinth, which is a beautiful film mm -hmm. in in the theaters. I saw it twice because the first time I felt like I spent the entire movie reading the bottom of the screen, and it is a visually stunning movie. And I felt like I missed half of it. Like I don't want to take my eyes off the screen, but I can't because I need right. to read what the hell's going on, right? And so I find that a little bit distracting. Um, but um, no, that's cool. It's good to know that it's 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 a decent series because I've I've often wanted to try and get into it. And if it's slow, that's good because sometimes in the I'm in the mood, especially if I've not been um, sleeping. Like I just want something really chill that I don't have to turn up too loud. Um, that that's probably something I should I should check out. Very very cool. Yeah. Um, but in in terms of loud, uh, I actually picked up and watched uh, the Tomorrow War on Amazon Prime. Oh right, uh, How this is that? the film. Yeah, it's a film, not a series. And, uh, it's, I want to say up there with like your average summer action show. Like it's not, it's not Shakespeare. Um, <laughs> but the premise is pretty cool. The only thing that I find strange is the rate at which we, the normal human population accept the premise is a little bit like you turn the page in a book and it's like, and then we decided to participate in this crazy nonsense. Mm. Um, essentially what happens is you're, you're, you're introduced to um, Chris Pratt's character, which I'm going to have to look up his name right now. Um, Dan, Dan Forster. And uh, he's kind of talking about, he's being interviewed by somebody and you're hearing the voiceover. And he says like, well, he left the military, but during the military, he was able to um, for um, further his education into sciences. And, but he's, he can't get his research funded. So he is currently a high school science teacher, uh, has a wife, has a daughter. She's like nine. Um, and they're trying, he's trying to get a, trying to have a Christmas party and there's a soccer game on TV and they're all just kind of hanging out. And then in the middle of the soccer field, a wormhole opens up and a bunch of people come out and say, hey, we're from the future <laughs> and we need your help because the future of the planet depends on it. And you're like, surprise, surprise. Okay. You know, um, so it's a pretty, it's a far reach. And the weird thing is like, they don't really spend any time asking all of the questions that you, the audience, this is like, who are you? Why should we trust you? Yeah. How can you prove it? Where are you from? They just kind of fast forward to like a year later where all of the world has accepted that this is the truth and that all of the world's military have then united. And what's happening is that these people from the future are taking people from the present, sending them to the future for one week 
of your um, draft. You've been drafted. Like you don't have a choice. You have to go. They give you some very basic training and they send you into the future where the world has been reduced to a population of 500,000 by white spikes, which are what they call these alien monsters that are, I mean, talk about a hill to climb. These things are lethal. They mm. make the aliens from the aliens franchise look like puppy dogs. Like they're Jeez. just, oh man, they're just, they don't seem to have much of a weakness other than the fact that you can kill them. They're just really resilient. Um, but the problem is that they're sending, and this is one of the messages I think the movie has, is that they're sending civilians. Like they're just, send, they're not sending military. They're sending basically anybody, you know, so husbands, wives, you know, old people, young people. And um, a little bit of a spoiler. So if you're going to watch the film, this is something that it's not, they reveal it in the first act, but essentially the people that they're sending are people that because they're from these, these recruiters are from the future and they know that the people that they're sending are going to mm. die anyway. So like, these are the people that like might die in a car crash that might die in like that. Maybe they have a disease or, you know, maybe they just die in the first, you know, attack of these aliens, whatever it is, they know that these people don't make it 30 years from now. Right. So they say, well, if we grab you now, and you die anyway, it really doesn't affect much. And so that's the whole premise. Hmm. Um, and th what I find impressive about it is, I mean, I like Chris Pratt anyway, but he really does do an excellent, captivating job as an action hero, as a dad, and as a, a guy that's just trying to like have a fulfilling career, you know, like be successful. And you get that in the first, I don't know, 15 minutes. And hmm. all of which, what I like so much of that is that none of it feels like star Lord. None of it feels like, uh, Owen, his character from Jurassic park. <laughs> like it's, it's its own thing. Uh, nice. I, I've, I like him on screen. I always have, but he really kind of shows, I think of really diverse and subtle, Thing, because like what he's doing right now, it's not that different from Owen from Jurassic Park. It's got a little bit of Star Lord in it because he's a little bit silly with his daughter, right? Like there's just there's a there's enough of these different things in there. Um, he also executive produced the film, so obviously it's got some some funny moments and it's got some opportunities for him to kind of shine where he shines. Um, but I really like the fact that he's in good shape, but it's it's the kind of movie where you'd roll your eyes if they cast Dwayne the Rock Johnson in the lead role cuz you're like high school science teacher okay yeah <laughs> like, it's just just an excuse to get the big guy in muscles with a gun to go to the future to shoot aliens right exactly. whereas chris pratt he's in good shape but he doesn't he doesn't look like a superhero right so he it it feels a little bit more believable that he was ex military but now he's been a, a a scientist there's even a point where like they're trying to like saying oh you were a soldier you'll be fine and he's like it was 15 years ago nice. like i am not that anymore it's it's a nice kind of like dose of reality um i say that and everything else about it is pretty far-fetched um <laughs> supporting cast is pretty good uh they're pretty real really diverse cast which is nice to see uh, a lot of um black actors asian actors um other actors of, of color uh, men and women in all kinds of different roles. Like they, there's no real punches pulled there. They just kind of really spread it out really nice. Um, really cool conversations and acting with J.K. Simmons, who plays uh, his father, hmm. uh, estranged father, actually. 
Uh, and um, I don't know whether it's because Simmons plays like not so nice dad characters in other things that we've been watching, like um, Invincible. Um, but he just, I just, I really enjoy his deadpan <laughs> zero shits given delivery. Like he's, I just enjoy that about him as an actor. Um, uh, everything else about it is just a pretty standard action film. Like there's lots of aliens. There's lots of effects and explosions and things. Uh, you've gonna, you're going to have your military, you know, quiet, close quarters, big open street battles. Right. Um, the only thing that I think fell off for me was the third act, which I find a lot of these films these days have a hard time sticking. And that is they, they wrap it up in some really rough Michael Bay tropey moments and it's not even the end. Then there's another like half an hour of, you know, your hero and his friends yeah, right. going to then save the day again. It's like we just had the big climactic battle. The thing that we've been working for this entire movie just happened. And I half expected a monologue of and then I came back and I saved the day and we did this and my daughter grew up and everything was fine. That And I would have been OK with that as an ending, you know, like a happy little bow. Um, but instead we go on this really strange journey to the Arctic where like four people have to find, you know, the, the, again, spoilers have to, have to do the, the thing, um, to, to save the day. And it just felt like taking this huge climactic thing and putting the brakes on mm. and then doing another little mini side mission for the next half an hour of the film. So it really felt like a strange way to, to wrap it up. You do eventually get your ending. Um, but it just, it really kind of like, I paused it because it's like, wait a minute, how are we, how are we wrapping this up? Cause it's like, oh my gosh, there's still another 20 minutes left. It's like, okay, well, I guess I'll see where this goes. It's like it completely undermined itself in terms of. <laughs> it did like it, it had the right kind of pacing and had the right kind of, um, future, everything rides on this one moment. You're the one person I can trust sort of deal. Um, and, and it it like it again like it just it it kind of undermines itself with the pacing a little bit later um i you know I, it's not a bad film i i wouldn't necessarily say that i wasted my time um but it's still something that i found just a little bit off mm. and um chris mckay the director uh directed the lego movie uh the um the lego batman movie uh so like doesn't have a lot of live action chops uh as far as i can tell um right but it like i said it's not bad it's just that it i feel like it suffers from movies that are not released in theaters right like i guess i'll have to give it points for hmm. throwing the spaghetti at the wall to seeing what sticks right i hadn't really thought about it in that that there'd be a distinct difference between the yeah like well well one thing one thing that I noticed right away is that in the first in the first act and into the second act, when they're doing a lot of the special effects and going to the future and, and where everybody's set up, like it's a, basically a giant airplane hangar. And then everything else is obviously shot on a green screen stage. Mm. Like you can very much tell that Pratt is just in front of a giant green screen and there's nothing around. And I would imagine a lot of that, and I forgive it because a lot of that probably had to do with safety filming during COVID. Right. Like all of your ideas for outdoor shots are probably 
not happening right you and plus it's a big sci-fi film and so there's probably a lot of stuff that has to happen you know with green screens and whatnot um everything else like all the effects with the aliens you don't even think for a minute that they're like oh that's a cool effect you just think like oh god don't get eaten by that thing like mm. you know like there's a lot of a lot of stuff like that that i think is really um really well done um so yeah it's just it's a it's an odd odd sensation i again people if you if, if it's the kind of thing that you like if you liked the michael bay transformers films this is better like it's, it's <laughs> it has a couple of those tropes but it's it's a far better action summer movie because there's not nearly as many eye rolls there's a couple of good jokes he's got a couple of of i want to say sidekicks but this is essentially what they are is basically like he tends to be the leader of the group and then there's other people that also survive and they become the characters you also get to know over the course <laughs> of the film and they're funny like there's a guy um he's played by i lost the imdb page um he's played by sam richardson charlie uh and he plays like a researcher at i can't remember whether it's boston science or something anyway he plays a researcher that is then you know drafted has no military experience and talks a lot when he's nervous so he's just kind of like going all the time and saying stupid stuff or or running away from aliens who just like oh shit oh shit oh shit like he's that kind of you know it's like the kevin <laughs> Hart relief, character yeah. In, in, yeah 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 but but in a in a way that doesn't make you roll your eyes like he's he's more realistic he's not right. just being over the top it's 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 the kind of way a person like that would probably react when they're being chased by a giant white alien thing um but in in a lot of ways too the way that they um set up the tension uh is that these alien things like they're nigh unstoppable and you really are thinking throughout the entire film how the hell are they going to beat these things like this humvees helicopters doesn't matter they like the aliens just destroy them hmm. so like you're just like how how do you even beat these things and so now you understand why they're trying to go back in time to kind of beat it before it happens right um and so uh and, and i won't get into the, the rest of it because i think that it is for people that are interested in it it's, it's worth checking out if nothing else i would just watch it for chris pratt alone like i i've watched lots of terrible movies that have my favorite actor in them and i'll just watch them um tom hanks i'll watch tom hanks in most things even if the films suck i still will probably enjoy his performance so um i would i would check it out like it's, it's a it's a decent it's a decent time um and i, I want to say like for a direct to amazon prime action movie like better than most like definitely yeah. sticks out as does not feel like a made for tv movie like it really has could have been in theaters it's just that amazon netflix and disney plus are now reaching the point where they are competing with you know, theater releases and saying like, well, what's the best platform to release this? And Amazon thought, well, we're still in the middle of this pandemic. Let's just put it out online. Moving on into the Internet Minute, which is, of course, brought to you by you, which I mentioned at the top of the show. The Citadel Cafe is 100% listener supported. If you get value out of the show, please consider putting a little bit of value back in. You can become a member at patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. Joining at any level will get you an invite to the member only Discord server, as well as give you access to some of the bonus episodes that we have recorded there. Patron count is currently 24. I checked that this morning, steady on from last week. Our goal each month is to have at least one more patron than the month before. It's a new month. If you'd like to be patron number 25, visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe and support us there. My pick this week is uh, right up there with the environmental stuff that Stephen mentioned about Ragnarok. Uh, this was from Euronews on May 16th of this year, and it is flower turbines from flowerturbines.com. 
Uh, I'll have a link to the website, I'll have a link to the Euronews article, as well as a link to the YouTube video that accompanies the article. It's pretty straightforward. It's basically saying uh, one of the issues that people are having worldwide in adopting alternative power is that you have to make it attractive to people. Uh, I don't mind the look of a giant windmill, but some people do. Uh, and also there's the considered noise pollution that goes along with a large wind turbine. Uh, and these tulip turbines or vertical axis wind turbines look a lot like a tulip, as you'd expect. They're about two meters tall. Uh, they come in a various uh, amount of different sizes. And you can put like three to five of them on a flat roof. You can hide them or tuck them away into public spaces, like say a public garden, have them painted pretty colors. And as they spin, they look quite nice. They're kind of hypnotizing. Uh, and they can be very efficient because they do not need as much wind as a giant um, traditional wind turbine that you might think of when you think about a windmill, the big white ones with three propellers that you mm -hmm. see all over the place. Uh, the tulips um, turn with much less wind. So in an urban environment or in a place like, uh, I'm just going to use a city like Chicago that's famous for wind. If you start putting these on the top of buildings or in a place where there's a lot of wind just going amongst these, these um, tight buildings, you might be able to take advantage of it. Um, I don't know if it's going to be enough to maybe get you off the grid but if it's going to be something that subsidizes something, maybe it charges your electric vehicle because you've got them on the top of your garage, whatever it is, they just seem like a much more feasible uh, idea. And the cost of them is still in like the six to $8,000 range. Um, so I don't know, again, if that's something that you'd be able to um, put on a home. But, uh, and I and again, I, I you'd have to talk with neighbors, I guess, but I don't know, like if... Living in Nova Scotia, where it's windy most of the time, at least at some level, um, I feel like these would be an excellent way to to subsidize um, power. And they just they look really, really cool. The fact that they're they're only a couple meters tall is what kind of surprised me. I'd be curious. They look very cool. I'm on the website right now. Um, I'd be curious to know how much noise they make. I mean, you mentioned noise pollution, but I mean. And this isn't to pick on my neighbors, but when my neighbor's air conditioner kicks in every time, it does the, you know, it buzzes when it comes to life. And then it's, mm -hmm. if we've got our window open, it's a sound we can hear throughout the kitchen and dining room. It, you, you know, so mm -hmm. if something like this on top of a garage, I, you know, without having heard it myself, I can't imagine it would be that much noisier than either, well, either our hunt heat pump going on outside or the air conditioner out the other window. So it's, I'm going to check out the video for sure. Yeah, the video is is says that it's less noise than a windmill, but I'm just like, well, okay. <laughs> like I, I don't sure. have one in my backyard. <laughs> it's a lot smaller, so it makes sense. That still might mean like I don't want one on the roof of my house. Exactly. Um, but the images on the websites have them like imagine like a farm, and then you've got like the ridge of a roof, and the roof has got six tulip, you know, um, vertical axis turbines on top of it. So you're like, all right, well. If it's that far away from the space that you live in, then maybe it's not that bad. Mm. Um, I would imagine if you had larger property, it would make a lot more sense. Like if you could stick them up on a hill or if you had them at the edge of your backyard where they were still, you know, 25 meters away from your house. Yeah. Um, then it might not be a bad thing. I can't imagine them making a lot of noise. Um, I don't think it's the turning of the wind that would like the turning of the actual turbine that would make the noise. I think it would be whatever electronics and mechanisms are in there generating. There would probably be some sort of hum would be my guess. Right. Um, I don't think you're going to get like a giant whoosh because they don't have fan blades. Like the wind 
goes inside the lip of the tulip and pushes it around. So it's kind of like it's got blades inside, but they're not wishing through the air. Like it's just, it's this, it turns kind of like... Um, it's almost like those vertically spinning promotional signs that you see on the side of the road sometimes. Yes, exactly. That or like, if you ever see those like little wind chime things that look like spirals and they just kind of, they twist yes. in the wind. They yep. don't, yeah, like that kind of a thing. That's kind of, that's how they work. And I, I'm surprised I'd never heard about them before. I only just saw it now. And I tend to like see a lot of these articles and check out green space and, and you know, different alternative energies and stuff like that. It's kind of a cool thing I like to, to look at. But yeah, I, mean, I thought they were cool. Nice. Oh, and my pick was the, hit the new Nintendo Switch that came out. So, <laughs> um, again, it's not one of those little obscure things that gets tucked away that's nice to shine a light on. But it's just, I've been, as I mentioned, I've been wanting to get one for a little while now feeling like a new one was going to come out so now they've got a new one with uh, a bright a vibrant seven inch oled screen um apparently they fixed the adjustable stand in the back that was uh wasn't as strong as people would have liked it to have been so now it goes full width and it's adjustable which is cool and now it comes with an increased internal space of 64 gigabytes and you could also now when you use the dock like for your television you can actually plug the ethernet right into it so you wouldn't necessarily be relying on Wi-Fi when you play it as a console for your television. Now it can be hardwired in, which is pretty cool. I don't want to rain on your parade, but are you at all disappointed that it's not 4K? Um, no, just in the, in the sense that I'd probably use it as a handheld mostly. Right. <laughs> My television. I know you've talked about yours on the show, the show before, but we're still running a seven a seven twenty. Oh, okay. television here in my household so that would produce a higher resolution screen than would show up in my television and 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 i guess for me it's it'd be nice if it were 4k for whenever we eventually do get um an, an upgrade to our television but i'm not i'm not disappointed for for me it's still i guess i see it more as a handheld device right with the option of using it um, on TV. And, and I mean, I wanted to get one for a little while as well since streaming. I thought it'd be kind of cool to stream games. And then it, as I stream games, it's not really going to be any better than like 1080. Which is what they do now, right? Like they do, they do, they do 1080. This yeah, just 10. I believe so. Yeah. yeah. And, and so for my uses, I would have, I would have liked to have seen the 4K just for the sake of like, man, everyone else is doing it. You should just hit that. And that yeah. way it's good for a while still. But at the same time, like, I, I thought about it and I'm not my uses would not require 4k really it's it's nice to hear that use case because i was listening to the daily tech news show uh which i often recommend on on this podcast and i think people should go listen to it as well and they they had a conversation around the the, the nintendo switch announcement and basically the criticism was like the chip isn't any better the battery life isn't any better yes it has an oled screen but it's still not 4k so it's not a different version of a tw of the switch it's just a fancier package for the existing switch uh, and the criticism was just like Nintendo keeps on repackaging the exact same thing and people pay like an extra 50 bucks for it. And um, that, but that's coming from tech journalists, people that are very into this stuff. They want, they want the new thing to be zippy. Like yeah. they want, if they're paying money for a new thing, they want it to do all the new things. Whereas I, I think that the target demographic for Nintendo switch are, like you said, not necessarily hardcore gamers, uh, a lot of times families and the fact that it does go from being a handheld to being um, something that you can dock and play on the screen. Um, I know that you and the family do your Mario Kart, you know, tournaments and weekends and stuff. Do you, do you find that your existing switch 
bops back and forth between the TV and being handheld, or is that more of a stationary family situation? Actually, our um, our Mario karting is still on the Wii U. That's what we've got set, hooked up to the TV. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. But then my, my sons had uh, saved up their money, so they, they've each got one. I've never heard them once complain about performance. And so, like, if... I guess one of the things about the games being made and having to be sold as Nintendo games, they sort of need to work based on the specs of the device. It's not like I have... I have an old PC or an old Mac and I wanted to download this game and I can download it and I can run it, but the specs aren't high enough on my computer. That's a drag. So it's like, it's, it's a very, it's, it's like, um, the switch as it is, hasn't changed. It's not like there's a new operating system that keeps coming out, um, that demands more of your hard, your hardware, you know what I mean? And then eventually get to the point where this game that was created specifically for this one device needs a newer version of the operating system and like it's it's all very much meant to work together and i think for me too i run into the opposite problem a lot of the time uh i'm paying for xbox game pass and unless i'm playing something like halo or um gears of war or something else that requires like fancier graphics Mm. a lot of the stuff that i have available to me if i'm not going to buy a new game are all games that do not push my 4k and or the xbox uh series x to its limits mm-hmm. i would say the the game that i've probably played that looked the coolest was probably titanfall 2 um batman arkham knight was also pretty good some of them have been optimized for series x but series x doesn't really have any launch titles um that's going to probably be happening this fall when games that have been developed for taking advantage of the hardware on the Xbox Series X. Right. So a lot of times I sit there and I want to play games and I thought like, why am I playing like Don't Starve on the Xbox? Like it's a cartoon flat. It's fun, but it's just like, I really should be taking the time to play games that push this, you know, the graphics. Cause that's the advantage of a console is that you don't have to deal with a PC that might not have the specs, you know? Um, when I'm at the computer, I have a hard time not playing Minecraft. Like that just tends to be what I do when I'm at the computer for, for, for playtime. So on the Xbox, I'm always looking for that that console kind of experience. Um, and I've been thinking like if I can take advantage of xCloud, uh, not on the Xbox Series X, but on um, say the um, the PC where, you know, hardwired internet connection if I can have a different device in the cloud play the game, then maybe I can play something far beyond the specs of my computer and just have it come down through the browser, uh, which would be really cool to see. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to try and do that with something that would be a really pretty game, like something, some very in-depth, you know, world experience that would be fun yeah. fun to do. Very immersive. Yeah, but I haven't really found a game that, that turns my crank in that way. So I'll have to see. I also, it only came out last week, so I haven't really dove into the 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 xbox uh, x cloud sorry not xbox but the x cloud that i hate the marketing around this it's so confusing <laughs> um but the x cloud games most of them seem to reflect the same library that i have available to me in the x pa- xbox game pass and most of those games are old uh, or older you know they they don't push current graphics so it's right. like well why am i going to bother to play it on x cloud when i can just play it on my pc or the xbox and get local speeds you know like it just it seems a little bit strange so i haven't quite figured that out yet but uh as things develop like for example if there gets to a point where they're running a game that's running rtx you know on a remote system on xcloud i would love to try that that would be amazing 
That would um, be because I don't have an RTX card, right? So that 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 would be something that a, a, a remote machine could do that mine can absolutely not. Like it would just there'd be a cap that I just couldn't I wouldn't be able to do. So hmm. I will have to see how that goes. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Citadel Cafe. You can get more information about the show and links to some of the things that we talked about at thecitadelcafe.com. Music for the show was composed by Kevin McLeod, and you can email us at thecitadelcafe at gmail.com or find us by name on Twitter. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. We're also on YouTube. Word of mouth is the easiest way to support the show. Just tell a friend about the Citadel Cafe and where they can go to listen to it. My name is Joel Duggan. You can find everything I'm doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio at joelduggan.com. You can also listen to my other podcast all about Minecraft at the spawnchunks.com that comes out every Monday. And you can follow me at Joel Duggan on social media, as well as twitch.tv slash Joel Duggan, where I will be streaming Minecraft this weekend. Stephen, where can people find you online? Um, as Joel mentioned at the beginning, most places you can find me at Stephen ESC, but I spend most of my time at Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash Stephen ESC. And again, Stephen with a PH. You've been listening to the Citadel Cafe, where we are fast, easy, and cheap, but you can only pick two.